This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. This partnership is essential for a project of that scope to be realized. Otherwise, we'd just be fumbling around trying to figure out how to lease empty warehouse space. But instead, we're going to be delivering an economic benefit to the entire state. Business is booming in some parts of Iowa. To not only hiring more people, but increasing wages, we see more productivity. But some needs remain. We don't have enough workers. And those we have, for the most part, are well-trained, they're in, and they're in uh, the right spots. But we do have some training needs. The state's business and economic climate, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. The pre-dawn hours of Thursday, May 26th, were stormy in the Cedar Valley of Iowa. But by 11 o'clock that morning, the rain had passed and temperatures were warming up to late spring normals as about 100 community leaders from Waterloo, Cedar Falls, and the surrounding area gathered under a tent next to a nearly century-old building that once housed tractor manufacturing operations for John Deere in Waterloo. Now the building and a similar structure next door are key components in a downtown Waterloo economic development venture. The TechWorks Campus, a subsidiary of the Greater Cedar Valley Alliance and Chamber, together with the City of Waterloo, the Iowa Economic Development Authority, and a private group, Financial District Properties. It's not a traditional groundbreaking in the, in the traditional sense of it. That happened 90 years ago. But today, we're celebrating. We're celebrating the rebirth of a structure that's already meant so much to so many people in our economy in the Cedar Valley in Iowa. And now it'll mean so much more to Waterloo, the Cedar Valley, and our business community in new ways. Steve Dust is president and CEO of the Greater Cedar Valley Alliance and Chamber. He presided over the event designed to celebrate the construction launch of a hotel, conference center, and restaurant in the building now called Tech2. And while May 26th was the date of the event, construction on the site has been going on in one form or another for some years. In fact, the contractor had to send workers who were operating a cement saw on the exterior of the building off for an early lunch so as not to disrupt the launch event. The entire TechWorks campus is a 33-acre site that also contains the John Deere Waterloo Tractor and Engine Museum, and soon a marina and space for light manufacturing and retail operations. The whole project will cost $74.1 million to develop, and Dust later told me why no private developer could tackle the effort alone. There always has to be a partnership of private and public interests when you're redeveloping a project of that scope, uh, the very nature of the redevelopment process, uh, it's antiquated. Uh, much of the inf infrastructure is obsolete. Uh, some of the building material uh, uh, systems are obsolete. So you have to replace those. Those are, those are big ticket items. Um, there has to be a broad appeal. Uh, it has to be, uh, there has to be a strategy behind it. There has to be market forces at work. We can't just, pre if we had predicted what was going to happen at TechWorks, it would, it, what our initial goals were are dramatically different than they are today. And the reason they're different is not because we were wrong, it's because the market took us in a different direction that are also, uh, that is also uh, consistent with the overall objective of redevelopment. 
Governor Terry Branstead was among the officials who attended the construction launch event. You can't do this by yourself. It takes a team effort, and we have a we have a divided legislature, but uh, we've been able to do a lot of things together. I was just at uh, Hawkeye Community College to sign a bill that updates our our education program for career and for technical and career education. I think it's the biggest step forward since we had the community colleges created 50 years ago. And we're very excited about that, and that was passed unanimously. Uh, and that's really gonna prepare young people, and it involves people starting in eighth grade all the way through high school and the community colleges for the careers and the technical education. And then to come here to the site of what was the, the Waterloo Tractor Works and to see the transformation that's going on and the fact that we played a role in helping with the community efforts in this, something we're proud of. Dave DeVault is general manager of the John Deere Waterloo Works. He noted the buildings were a part of the region's history, a part too important to simply abandon or tear down. The new uses, propelling Waterloo forward on a site that has spurred economic progress in this city for 98 years. A whole new role the company envisioned for this site which is at the doorstep of our drivetrain and foundry factories, and now the neighbor to the new John Deere Tractor and Engine Museum. It's truly humbling to stand here and speak about the contributions made by all our employees, their families, the leadership from the Waterloo community to repurpose this site. Congratulations to everyone. More on the topic now. I'm joined by Michael Libby. He is the host of the award-winning radio program, Insight on Business, the News Hour. It airs weekdays from Des Moines. What is your sense of the central Iowa business climate in 2016? Are people optimistic based on the interviews that you've done with people in the field? We've been doing the Business News Hour here in Des Moines for nearly three years. And we've noticed an amazing uptick in the ability for businesses here in the Des Moines metro in central Iowa uh, looking forward to not only hiring more people but increasing wages. We see more productivity. So let me give you some examples about central Iowa. And these are some surveys that have been going on just in 2016 alone. Uh, most incredible farmers markets, seventh hippest mid-sized city in America. Uh, number one city in the middle class. That was from Business Insider. So where are they getting these ideas for all of these best ofs for central Iowa? Well, I think one of the things, it, this area of the country is so much different than either one of the coasts. If we take a look at, at what happened just this week, as a matter of fact, it was some negative pressure on the markets, and, and the negative pressure comes from uncertainty on the global market scale. But what's happening here in central Iowa is totally different. Just recently, the Mid-American Business Conditions Index came out, and it hit 52.1 in May. Now, what that means is anything over 50 means that the economy is expanding. Anything under 50, obviously, it's the other way around. Now, back in April, it was at 50.1. So we had a two-point jump here. And Creighton University economist Ernie Goss oversees that survey. And he says, you know, the manufacturing sector still is lagging a little bit. And that's because of strong U.S. dollars, continuing losses in some other goods. But by far and away... What happens in central Iowa isn't always necessarily tied to manufacturing as much as it is tied to financial 
and insurance areas. Uh, manufacturing is one of those places, but as we all know, agricultural manufacturing and industrial commercial manufacturing is down just a bit. Particularly, the farm markets are showing a real pressure on farm income. And we're predicting a worse year for farm income than 2002, Jeff. So there are some some lagging spots, but for the most part here in central Iowa, things are looking pretty good. What about in the small business realm? You do a lot of work connecting with entrepreneurs and small business people. Do they have the sense of optimism in 2016 that ties in with the rest of the economy as a whole? Nationally, we are seeing problems with big box stores. They are losing sales. Um, Macy's, Nordstrom's all had disappointing uh, second quarter income results. But what's happening is that finally people are figuring out that they can get better service, better quality, and well, they know that their dollars are staying locally. And this just hasn't happened. We've had to really bang the drum on the factor that when you buy local from mom and pop on Main Street, those dollars tend to stay in the community in which we live. They go for salaries, they go for lights and power and groceries and all of those things that go on down the line. And and I think it's absolutely dramatic that now shoppers, consumers are starting to take notice of that. Of course, the shop local scene has been going on for a long, long time. And there are sectors in the small business arena that are struggling just a bit. But for the most part, if those small business owners will engage their consumers, utilizing a whole host of social media tools, as well as as actually listening to their consumers and, and, and stocking what they want, they by far and away are doing much, much better than some of the retail giants out there. There seems to be a bit of a paradox in 2016 where we want the convenience and, if you will, impersonal nature of online shopping on the one hand, but yet when we do go into a business, we want that personal custom approach. Do you see that kind of dichotomy going on? You know, I think it's also generational. That's a great question about uh, online shopping versus in person. And one of the things that we're seeing on a generational shift is that uh, so many uh, younger shoppers are standing in a retail place looking at, say, a camera, for example, and then Googling it and finding it online maybe at $50, $60, $70 cheaper. I would suggest to you, however, that online shopping is, is, is really hurting some of the major uh, companies out there rather than the smaller mom and pop. Now, sure, you can get that camera for $50, $60 less, and many people do. But when it comes to repair or conditioning or training, what are you going to do with it? Where do you go? You know, it's always great to walk into, for example, here in Des Moines, one of the fine camera stores just down the street from us, Christian Photo, and say, hey, Dick, I've got a problem with this camera. How can we fix that? And they know they'll take care of it immediately. You don't have to stand in line. You don't have to ship it off. And is that worth $50, $60 extra? You bet it is. Uh, This week as well, the Iowa Business Council released their piece. The the Iowa business leaders in, in the biggest industries here in the state of Iowa are grown more optimistic in the past three months than what they had been in the first quarter of the year. Um, And it's significant. The second quarter index is at 62, five points ahead of last quarter. uh, and, And that's good. And the council, now these are the largest employers in the state, 
Principal Financial Group, Alliant Energy, and Wells Fargo. Half of the companies surveyed by the Iowa Business Council, they said that they plan to increase employment levels over the next six months. Seven in ten expect sales to increase in the next two quarters. So clearly, even from the small mom-and-pop retail establishments, whom I think are doing better than what they were projected to do, to the larger corporations out there in financial services as well as in insurance they are seeing some rewards in this economy as well. And and I, I don't want anyone to think that this is going on all over the United States because it's not. There are some real pockets of problems in the real estate industry in very many parts of the country. But here in central Iowa and Iowa as a whole, we're doing pretty well. Michael Libby, thanks so much for your thoughts. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Michael Libby is the producer and host of Insight on Business, the News Hour, a weekday radio program based in Des Moines. You can get more information and hear past editions of the program online, the website insightcubed.com. Coming up, I'll talk with the head of the state's Association of Business and Industry as the Iowa Watch Connection continues in a moment. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. We continue our discussion of the state's current business and economic climate by talking with a return guest to the program, Mike Ralston, president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Mr. Ralston was a guest on our first program nearly two years ago. ABI is Iowa's oldest and largest statewide business network. It was uh, founded 113 years ago as the Iowa Manufacturers Association. For 80-plus years, only manufacturers were involved. Then, in the uh, latter part of the last century, it expanded to include businesses of all kinds. So right now, um, the the largest industry segment is manufacturing, but we have uh, insurance companies, uh, large banks, uh, mortgage uh, companies, uh, really businesses of all kinds except for retail. We don't have a lot of retail unless you count grocery stores. And, of course, we have a large grocery chains that are involved. And so really all businesses, people, when they think of ABI, they typically think of companies like John Deere, Rockwell Collins, Alcoa, companies like that, and they're terrific members, and we love them. But a typical member is more like United Equipment Accessories in Waverly or, uh, uh, you know, uh, Standard Golf in Cedar Falls, privately held companies and employ a lot of Iowans that are uh, manufacturing, distributing goods all over the world, really. Do we have enough workers, do we have the right workers with the right training in order to best meet the needs of our existing businesses and the businesses we hope to attract? I think the answer to both those questions is no. We don't have enough workers, and those we have for the most part are well-trained, and they're in uh, the right spots, but we do have some training needs, and particularly community colleges in this state, certainly colleges like you and I and our private colleges, they've all been great Uh, about stepping up to the fore and helping address that training issue. That's the good news. The bad news is we still need more people. 
And I know that there have been some initiatives to note that having a four-year liberal arts degree is a wonderful goal, but not necessarily for everyone. And in fact, we may need to right-size. For example, and my experience of a quarter century in the classroom tells me there are some people who are in college for the wrong reasons. They don't really want to be there, but they don't think there are other alternatives. How does that shake out in 2016 in Iowa? Again, you're exactly right. In this, uh, uh, in today's world, uh, one doesn't need a four-year liberal arts degree to to have a very meaningful and successful career. And I'm talking about a six-figure uh, income. Um, there are great manufacturing and operations jobs that uh, a two-year degree will not only uh, prepare you, will help lead you to a, to be able to su- uh, succeed and excel in those jobs. So it really isn't a case anymore that you have to have that four-year degree. It's certainly true still that some education beyond high school is, is helpful and useful. But a, a, a degree from Hawkeye Community College or one of the state's community colleges will certainly prepare someone for a very successful career. What are some of the trades, and I think that's the way we have phrased them in the past, but what are some of the trades that are pulling down, frankly, some pretty good salaries that we might not think are that well compensated? I have to start with welders. Welders in this state can easily make uh, uh, $75,000 without trying, can do better than that if they, if they want to. Um, they can write their own ticket. They can choose the part of the state in which they want to live, the size of the company for which they want to work. They can really define their own career. Welding is still uh, the trade that is sort of the, the, the need above all others. But when it comes to uh, all kinds of things, like an operations job, uh, such as managing inventory or being a warehouse supervisor, those sorts of things are in high demand, too, and they can be great careers. Now, I'm not talking about plumbers and electricians who can also write their ticket. Those, for, for decades now, that's been the case. But there are a number of trades that, boy, folks can really, can really define their career on their own terms. How did we get to the point where, you know, for some of us of a certain age, that was the goal. Go get your four-year college degree. But the reality of the situation is that we may have overpopulated that supply for the demand. How did we get to that point? And do you see it now through these efforts changing at all? Yeah, two things. One, I think that as uh, parents, we all uh, learned uh, early on that we needed to get our kids uh, through a four-year program, and that was the only way to succeed. And in fact, that might have been the case at one time. It's certainly not the case now. So I I think all of us as parents being well-meaning significantly contributed to the problem. How we address it also involves parents. You know that we have a program at ABI called Elevate Advanced Manufacturing, elevateiowa.org. And it's all about doing three things. One, changing the perception of manufacturing jobs from being careers in dark, dingy uh, places to the real world of today where they're in bright, well-lit, high-tech environments with the best pay and the best benefits. So number one, changing the perception. Two, connecting Iowans with training. We talked about to the community colleges or the state's uh, four-year schools. And then three, after they're done with that training, connecting those Iowans with jobs. And uh, we've had some success, and we're grateful for that. And that's helped, we think it has helped begin to change that perception about manufacturing and about uh, the need for a four-year degree. In our remaining minute or so, if you could change one thing, perhaps government policy, one thing that would benefit Iowa business and industry the most, you have the power for a day, what would it be? I think it would be to uh, exponentially increase our population. That would bring other issues, but it would certainly bring economic opportunity, too. We have businesses in the state that are turning away business 
because they don't have workers. And gosh, for all of our communities, we need to make sure that our companies are doing the most business and the best business they can. Mike Ralston is president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. You can learn more about the group by going online to iowaabi.org. That's I-O-W-A-A-B-I dot O-R-G. That brings us to the close of this week's program. Thanks to Iowa Watch Connection affiliate KXEL in Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids, where some of the audio heard in this program was originally broadcast. Next week, the Federal Americans with Disabilities Act is intended to help people access public facilities, but an Iowa Watch investigation shows most of our schools are not in compliance with the law. It's an appropriate topic with school starting again in the coming week. Access to Education, our topic next week. And we invite you to join Iowa Watch for two special September events. The first is Friday, September 16th at the Walker Homestead in Iowa City. Our second annual fundraiser with food, beverages, conversation, and auction items. And on September 29th, our fourth annual Freedom of Information Banquet will be held in downtown Des Moines. It will follow a full afternoon of sessions on the topic of openness in government. The banquet will feature guest speaker Corinna Zarek, Deputy U.S. Chief Technology Officer at the White House and University of Iowa graduate. You can get information about both events by connecting with us online anytime. Go to iowawatch.org. And while you're there, be sure to click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more. IowaWatch.org. Follow us on Twitter at IowaWatch and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook too, facebook.com slash IowaWatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.